Okay. So um, yes, yeah, so last week we we uh, read through Kuflam um, Ches, right? Um, the rest of the description of the Rambam about the uh, Olam um, Haba and the um, and the um, the nature of Olam Haba and the uh, the fact that and the Haftachos and the, the Torah. And those are not the ultimate uh, sar, and the false, not the ultimate uh, ra. Um, I just wanted to go over a couple of things that we um, that we uh, passed by last time. I want to focus on a couple of the points from from um, from what he said. So, first of all, you if you look through it, you'll you'll see he keeps making one point basically from the beginning until the end, and that is the inability to compare Olam Haba with anything that we know about in this world. And that's the whole thrust of his argument, that that's why it's um, so foreign to us, and, and uh, we have no experience of it. But but he goes even further, and he, and he says that it's really impossible to compare it to anything. It's impossible... For instance, he says um, in the first column, right? It can't be described. How could you possibly find a marshal for this kind of a pleasure? He says, the only thing you can say is like what uh, David said. All you can say is it's amazing, it's great, right? You can't like give it a description. You can't give it a a marshal. And um, and again, he says at the end, right, that the navi says uh, it's eno nisag bechushim, and pasuk uh, Ram quotes in this context all the time. Ayin lo rosa lo kimsu secha yatsel mechakelo, right? It's uh, something that no eye has has beheld. Um, and the Nevi'im couldn't give uh, this, weren't giving descriptions of it all the, all the different Nevi'im were just talking about uh, and if you look again in um, in Hilpo's Tshuva in Parakhes the Ram says it even more emphatically he says Allah Chabez um, no Halacha Zion. Yeah, I think it's Halacha Zion. He says, um, "Yeah, he says Kavar right, It's impossible for man to really understand it and to uh, to know its greatness. The greatness of God love Yofya, the Atzma. Right? Only a Gaj Brochu can know this. He says, um, he says, uh, and, and all of the good that the Nevi'im talked about, um, that's only the good of the Guf. Okay, and that's Yimosa Mashiach. There's no way to compare it. It has nothing, it's incomparable. Below the Muha. And they didn't make any comparisons. Right? Um, because any kind of a comparison would, would diminish it because it's it's incomparable. So they try to compare the incomparable with bringing it down. Okay. The only problem, of course, is that it does seem like there have been comparisons. To Olam Haba, right? I mean, what about the the, the marshal he gives in the beginning? Um, it's the Amrulei Mashalom Olam Haba, Ein Bo Lo Achila Lo Shia Lo Rechitza Lo Sicha Lo Tashmish El Tzadigim Yoshvim Back to the same Roshayim Venenim Yisiv Ashkina. Okay, it sounds like some kind of a marshal of Olam Haba, and and okay, I, I would even argue. The pasuk of the round quotes that uh, says, and Chazal say it's a yom shakula aruch, it's a yom shakula tov. 
It also sounds like some kind of a marshal, okay? But, okay, these, you, you get the sense, eh, maybe I'm catching a question, but if you'll take a look in uh, in Brachos, and Nun Zion on the Bays, right, you see, I mean, uh, it's exactly the opposite from other Ramses. The Gemara says, on Nun Zion on the Bays, um, Shlosha Me'en Ha'olam Haba. There are three things that are Me'en Ha'olam Haba, similar to like Olam Haba, right? What are they? Shabbos, Shemesh, Vitashmesh. Okay. The Gemara says there are three things. Not only can you give a marshal, the Gemara has three. Okay. Now, hold on, hold on. Where it says, okay, Shabbos. We know what Shabbos is. Shemesh, Rashi says, it's the Chamaz Orachas, the shining sun. Okay. And Tashmish, the Gemara says, what Tashmish are you talking about? If it's Tashmish Amita, that weakens a person. So what is the Tashmish? Tashmish Nikovim. Meaning, um, when a person relieves himself. Okay, so what are the what does that mean? The Chazal don't give any marshal, right? Yeah, and then we'll see the follow up. The Gemara actually says Shabbos twice because the next Gemara says that there gives a whole list of things that are one sixtieth of something else. Right, like the Gemara says, Aish is one uh, sixtieth of Gehenim, Dvash is one sixtieth of, of Mun, and Shabbos is one sixtieth of Olamava. So that would be why Shabbos comes in twice. One, it comes in, in the first one of Me'en Olamava, together with uh, the sun and going to the bathroom. And um, it comes in again with a one sixtieth. So we'll have to think, what's the difference between Me'en and, and 160th? 160th is a little harder than Me'en. Okay, but anyway, so, so that's the question. That's the question. Yeah. So what does the Rama mean then when he says there's, no, there's never a marshal? And in light of that truth, what are these statements attempting to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, let, let's think about what we would mean by a real marshal. What would a real marshal be? Okay, what would a real marshal be? We talk about a, a marshal, so what, what, how, do we, what, how do we use a marshal? What do we use a marshal for? Basically, you want to bring something that is foreign to, uh, to somebody. You want to bring it to, um, to their mind. You want to give them a, um, an example of, uh, from what they know to something that you're trying to introduce them to, something you're trying to give them an idea about. So I mean I don't know. To my mind, the first the first thing that comes that comes came to my mind was like the Rashi talks about um, the description of Har Sinai. Um, Rashi mentions this a few times. I mean uh, it's, not, it's, in the, it's in the beginning of Bereshis, but he has like the description of like the Har was Boar. He says Vayal of Keeshan Hakivshan, right? So um, he says it was there was a smoke. Like a like the smoke of a of a kibshan. So Rashi says, Kibshan means Kibshan shall sid. Okay. So you think that's all it was, he says, just a kibshan shall sid. I don't know what that is, but so that's not, not too impressive. So he says, um, Talmud Lomar, Boer Hashemayim. Okay. So why does it say Kibshan? Mashi So Torah is trying to describe for you some. Something you'll never see, something no one has ever seen, some uh, you know a phenomenon of of of, of smoke, oddly of a shemayim. But that's that if it's too if it's too um, you know if it's not relatable, you're not going to understand what it means. So I give you like a little taste of what it is. You ever see like a really big smoky oven? Imagine that, you know, all the way up to shemayim consuming. Okay, so it gives you like a little bit that you know, and then you use your imagination to expand it to some bigger dimension, some bigger magnitude, right? But you've got to have something in common 
with the nimshal. There's got to be some commonality if I want to give you a marshal to for, for, for the for the effect to work, right? So in that sense, the Ram said you can't really have a marshal about Olamava. There's nothing mm-hmm. that we can really positively point to and say this experience, it's this experience more. And we don't have any experience like that. So I can't, I can't, let's put this way, I can't like pinpoint or isolate an actual experience and tell you it has that, uh, it, it's, it's that experience plus. It's like a kivshan of right? Because we don't have any of that experience. And that's what Ram emphasizes over and over again, right? So what are these mishalom trying to do? What are they doing? So I, I think over here, you want someone to... When you pick one and think about it, yeah. Uh, they could be describing how different two different worlds are. So, speak. well, let's take the ones in in the Gemara. So, like, so, so the Gemara, what, what the Gemara could really be doing over here when it's giving these uh, these mashalim, it's um, it's uh, it's trying to teach you something about the nature of the of the of the of the pleasure. It's not trying to give you the experience. Okay, it's not telling you. Not giving you a taste of the experience, but it wants to try to identify the sort or the nature. Okay, so uh, let, let's see if I can explain what, what I mean by that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can take like Shabbos. Good, let's take Shabbos. Shabbos is like generally, I guess, categorized as, I guess, cessation or, or rest. Okay, good. From like the everyday. Right. So it could be describing it, saying, look, it's not an active type of a of, of, of a hano. It's a hano of a cessation. Right. Of course, it's not like it doesn't mean it's the experience that you're experiencing, but it's trying to point to some kind of a the it's trying to like give it a, a categorize it, so to speak. Right. Classify it. So one of them would be Shabbat's. But it's interesting. Shabbos comes under the heading twice, right? Mm-hmm. So your way about about cessation, I don't know. That, that seems to me a little bit more like the one sixtieth. Like that's like a little bit of it. It's some kind of a we do experience rest, and it's hard that 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 one is a little difficult with the Raman, but. It is. Uh, it does have something in common, at least in a parallel system, right? Like, it's obviously not the rest uh, from work because there's no work, but it is some kind of a state of cessation. So you can say, okay, you can experience a state of cessation in a certain sense when you work hard and you stop. Okay. But but Shab, I think there's another another idea of Shabbos. What's the other idea of Shabbos? Oh. Um, uh... Recognizing the Yeah, you can be in a state where you're. I don't know. What comes to mind is that the Gemara, the Gemara Chazal, very often do compare um, Shabbos to a. Um, the Gemara uses Shabbos as a marshal, right? Like I mentioned in, uh, I mentioned one, one Sunday, the say me is if you didn't prepare an error Shabbos, you can't eat on Shabbos, right? So maybe this Gemara is trying to give you an idea of it is an it is in a certain sense a good that you acquire through your achievement in this world. Mm-hmm. So, like on a Shabbos, a person enjoys a Shabbos because of all the work he put into the week. So, you want to know what kind of an enjoyment is it? It's an enjoy it's an enjoyment that at least stems from like on Shabbos. How do you have a better Shabbos by having more hachana during the week? How do you have a better olam haba by having a greater hachana in in the in your life? Maybe like like Gemara says, this world is like a closed door, you know. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe it's trying to give you some kind of an insight into the nature of that pleasure. It's a pleasure that will be commensurate with the perfection you gain. Okay, maybe I'm not sure exactly, but that that but in that sense, I could see it. Uh, I can see Shabbos coming under two descriptions. Me'ain means like uh, there's some there's some uh, idea of um, of uh, in, in a similar sense 
to the way you enjoy your Shabbos, you'll enjoy Olam Haba in the sense that the work and the preparation creates that. So too Olam Haba, but also the one that says it's one sixtieth. That one does seem to be a little bit more of a of an idea that the nature of the pleasure itself is not one of an activity, but one of of uh, of, of cessation. And sort of like if you could, and I think they do go a little bit hand in hand because if you can uh, remove the um, the distractions, you'll be able to enjoy the good that you have already. Sometimes, sometimes the good that you have is you're incapable of enjoying because of the preoccupations with other things. So Olam Haba will be a type of a cessation of the, of the distractions that will enable you to have the true enjoyment of, of, of an underlying good that you can cultivate during the week. Okay, and, and, and the marshal of the Shamash, I think, is also trying to indicate when a person enjoys the sunlight, it's, it's not, it's again, it's not an action, it's not an enjoyment of activity, it's a certain enjoyment of being from, the, that from, from an outside influence. From the, uh, your state is, is altered, your state is improved, your, 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 your existence is different in a positive way because of a hashpa, of, uh, of, of a source of uh, good. So trying to like, you know what I'm saying? It's trying to give you an, an, an idea. But again, it's not saying the warmth you feel from the sun is a muscle for the pleasure of all the You know what I'm saying? It's not telling you that. It's saying the way that just like a person can, can be improved and, and, and in a state of, of enjoyment simply by not moving and receiving an influence, the derech muscle like the sun, so too, there is a state of enjoyment of the soul that is dependent on nothing other than hashpa of a of a good. You hear the chiluk I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You say yes. Yeah. Good. Um, and then the last one is very funny, right? And how would you describe the last one? Yeah, I think it's like as I used it before. It's uh, I mean, it's relief. Relief, right? It's a relief. There again, it's again all of these things are like indicating that there's something that prevents you from having a pleasure. There's something that prevents you from enjoying the beat, the state that you're that, that you uh, naturally should be in. So the, the there's a certain the there's a the, the the pleasure of the relief means I I'm not enjoying the um, it, it, it it's it's allowing you to have a certain recognition of what is, uh, to enjoy what you actually have. I'll have to think about that a little more. But again, it doesn't mean that feeling of pleasure that you have when you relieve yourself is the feeling of pleasure, but it's trying to express to you an idea that sometimes the pleasure comes from removing a, just from the, 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 this is the the the, uh, the relief of a um, of, of the stress of a situation of of, a, of an internal pressure. And the truth of the matter is, it is like an internal pressure in in the, in the mind and the psyche and all of these things. Okay, um, so so that's what the Ram means. Even though the Ram, even though Chazal give marshal, they're trying to give more marshal to put a person intellectually towards what. The, the nature of the pleasures, as opposed to a marshal of saying, this uh, pleasure that you've experienced is, uh, is magnified in the heart. Right? Like to say, it's like uh, the feeling of love. Or a feel- now, that would be, that would be, a, that would be Bederich marshal they couldn't do. It. Be cool. I was saying, that scent, that psychological joy you're having is going to be uh, actualizing a greater level. That's not, that's not, that's not, what I mean. right? Like, like, like you feel when you, I don't know, uh, when your child is born. None of these things are going to, uh, that would be like a marshal. Okay. Um, now, so what about the, the marshal that the Ram himself brings down, right? The marshal of, uh, Tzadik, I mean, the Tzadikim 
Yotrim, right? Vatov Seim, Broshem, Venanim, Yiziv Hashchinim. What's the type of muscle? What kind of a muscle is that? What are we trying to uh, elucidate with that with that muscle? That's telling us uh, what it also means. Exactly. That's really just that's really telling you the, the condition of the experience, right? What is responsible for that experience? What's responsible for that experience is the fact that you remain in an existence of your das, right? Atrosayim broshayim. I think is the essential part of that, right? That um So that is the that is explaining what's the uh, the substance of the what's the nature of that experience. And we'll come back to that to that one in a minute. I want to elaborate on on that idea. But the last one, also the one that the Torah mentions. Is really, I guess, the 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 best the best marshal is the one the Chazal interpret that we say it's a Yom Shekulo Tov and Yom Shekulo Oroch. Okay, it means to say that it's it's um, it means to say Kulo Tov. What's Kulo Tov mean? Kulo Tov means it's an existence that has no deficiencies. Because Ra, Tov is existence, right? Tov is, is, uh, is created, is, is Yesh. And Ra is, um, is, is uh, absence. Ra is deficiency. So it's a state of existence. We can't say about this world, it's Kulo Tov. There's Ra and there's Tov. Maybe the Ra is necessary, right? But um, it's not uh, exclusively tov. So only a non-physical existence, really, we can talk about to say that has that, has, well, uh, an existence of, that doesn't have any needs, doesn't have any deficiencies. That's, that's the, there's no achila, no shesia. So then um, that's kulo tov. And what's kulo aruch? Kulo, what makes something kulo, what makes it kulo aruch? Well, what's the what's time dependent on? Change, right? So it means there's no change. It's, it's a state of constancy. It's a, it's kulo tov has no deficiencies, and kulo it has no change, right? Because both of those are dependent on physicality, right? So, so that's a mistake people people make when they think about eternity. Right, they think, "Wow, that's a long time," <laughs> because they imagine sitting there watching a clock tick forever. But that's not that's not kulo oros. means there is no; it's an existence that is that has no change. If you're watching a clock, you're not in a kulo oros. That there's change, there's time. Right, kulo oros means it's not a, it's not a state that is measurable by time. It means it's it is uh, it has a um, it has a, a constant um, existence, and there's no, there's no, there's no motion, right? Okay, so uh, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be bored. <laughs> okay, but um, but in terms of antrosayim uh, right? Where Ram describes the um, the das, and uh, and we were discussing it a little bit last week. And they're very, they're very uh, difficult um, ideas, right? The uh, where he talks about the nature of the tsuras nefesh and the daya she siga and he refers you back to the fourth parak, and then we jumped into the first parak of the Mora, right? So um, it's interesting. I saw, I saw in the uh, in the Mora Nevuchim, um, the very end of the first book. Sixty-eight. Um, no, it's seventy-two. You didn't know it goes that far, huh? Seventy-two. I think I does. So he has. I, I'm just going to read to you, um, just because it's it's uh, it's it's very very interesting, and and I'm not I don't want to delve into it, but but I think it's kadai to uh, just to hear uh, how he describes these in Yonim. So the Ram in this chapter. 
I think it's 72. Uh, if I got my Roman numerals right. Yeah. Uh, the chapter begins on 113 in the old Friedlander. And he goes through this extensive marshal of the universe and man, right? Like the universe as a whole, he says, um, has a, can be thought of Bederich Moshal as like a man, where a man can be thought of Bederich Moshal like the universe. They both have parts and they have a unification. And, okay, and he has, he has a whole long Moshal here. Um, but in the end, in the end, he says that um, the last points of his of his of his uh, comparison are um, that in the universe there is a force, right, that maintains the universe. Okay. And he says, um, and he says, uh, and man is a similar way, right? He says, man with his intellect, okay, he says, this uh, man, he says, I I, I mean, the faculty of thinking, I mean, the intellect, okay, um, whatever he means by the highly intellect, okay, which appertains to no, no other living being. This may explain itself. As an animal does not require for its sustenance any plan, thought, or scheme. Okay, so it goes through the whole thing, how man needs intelligence in order to survive. And, um, and for this reason, man has been endowed with intellectual faculties, which enable him to think, I'm on 118, uh, consider, act, and by various labors to prepare and produce for himself food, dwelling, clothing. Okay, he says, if a man being deprived of his intellectual faculties only possessed vitality, he would in a short time be lost. The intellect is the highest of all faculties of living creatures. It is very difficult to comprehend, and its true character cannot be understood as easily as man's other faculties. Okay, this is the moment of Now he says, there also exists in the universe a certain force which controls the whole, which sets in motion the chief and principal parts and gives them the motive power for governing the rest. Motion, right? Without that force, the existence of this sphere uh, with its principal and secondary parts would be impossible. It is the source of the existence of the universe and all its parts. That force is God, blessed be his name. It is on account of, he, of this force that man is called microcosm. For he likewise possesses a certain principle which governs all the forces of the body. And on account of this comparison, God is called the life of the universe. Okay. So, so that's what I want to say that there's, there's, there's an expression, right? Uh, the God is the life of the universe. So he says, what does that mean? It's like a Derek Marshall. Like man, like man's intelligence, his intellect is the life of his body, and it sustains his body, and it guides his body, and it keeps all of his parts, you know, uh, in uh, in line with their purpose and, and satisfies their needs. God, in a certain sense, is the life of the universe. Now, but here's the important point: He says you must understand that in the parallel which we have drawn between the whole universe on the one hand and the individual man on the other. There is complete harmony in all the points which we mentioned above, only in the following three points of discrepancy may be noticed. So anytime you have a marshal, you're going to have some discrepancies, okay? So he says there are three points he wants to make clear that you really can't, uh, you can't carry the analogy over to. Okay, I'm going to skip the first one and the second one. All right, he says, thirdly, the faculty of thinking is a force inherent in the body and is not separated from it. But God is not a force inherent in the body of the universe, but is separate from all its parts. Now, in case you're getting nervous, right? So this goes back to what we were saying in Hilchos in, in Yisodi HaTorah, where the Ram was discussing the parts of the, of the human, parts of man, that are in the physical and the parts of man that are not in the physical. Right? Like the neshama, he says, that's something that's going to die with the person because it's totally on the body, right? 
So what, he, what he's saying over here that the um, that the the das the suras adam is is not physical right? and is not dependent on the body. So what does he mean over here when he says um, the faculty of thinking is a force inherent in the body? Okay, so I saw, and I think what Shane told me, you know, he gets a little uh, doesn't like this part. But but listen to what he says. He explains it in the next in the next part. He says he says like this. He says like this. So he says, but his main point over here is that God is not a force inherent in the body of the universe. That's like pantheism, but is separate from all his parts. How God rules the universe and provides for it is a complete mystery. Man is unable to solve it. For on the one hand, it can be proved that God is separate from the universe and in no contact whatever with it. But on the other hand, his rule and providence can be proved to exist in all parts of the universe, even in the smallest. Praise be he whose perfection is above all above our comprehension. It is true we might have compared the relationship between God and the universe to the relation between the absolute acquired intellect and man. Okay, that's the Seichel Hanikne. Okay. In other words, it is not a power inherent in the body, but a power which is absolutely separate from the body and is from without brought into contact with the body. The rational faculty of man may be further compared to the intelligence of the spheres. But the intelligence of the spheres... Okay, let's skip that part. He says, um, we have therefore preferred to illustrate the relationship of God to the universe by a simile which is clear and which will not be contradicted in any of the points which we have laid down by us without any qualification. The opposition can only emanate either from an ignorant man who contradicts truths, even if they are perfectly obvious, just as a person unacquainted with geometry rejects elementary propositions, which have been clearly demonstrated, or from the prejudiced man who deceives himself. Those, however, who wish to study the subject must persevere in their studies until they are convinced that all our observations are true, and until they understand that our account of this universe unquestionably agrees with the existing order of things. If a man is willing to accept this theory from one who understands how to prove such things, let him accept it, and let him establish it on his arguments and proofs. But, um, but basically, he says, he says, the proof uh, of, when he talks about the, um, right, he, says, he says, the idea of man's acquired intellect, okay, the absolute, uh, the idea of the acquired intellect, which is separate from the body, he says, is, um, it, that's a subject of deep study and research. The proof of their existence, though correct, is abstruse and includes arguments with pre- which present doubts, are exposed to criticism, and can be easily attacked by objectors. That's why he says, when he wanted to pick a marshal, he took the intellect that he, that he considers to be a power within the goof. But the point is like this. He's saying there is a faculty of thinking that is tied to our brains. Okay. And, um, and, and he chose that one in his marshal because that's incontrovertible. And everybody knows that. And you can prove that clearly to any, anybody who has a brain right, and, she, and, and uses it. But... In reality, he says, the real marshal would be the, the abstract, the, the non-physical element of the, of, this, of, the, of, the, uh, of the soul. The active part that contains the knowledge itself, not the tool, not the mechanism with which you attain the knowledge, but the, the body of knowledge itself, the, the, his, his, the content of his, of his ideas. And that's like what the Ram calls in Yesodia Torah, like the the um, the das, the, the the that's like what he says over here. The what he calls over here um, the kiyom hanefesh pekiyom muskala v'yosehu v'hi davarechad. Right, the um, the the knowledge that that he has that is one with his. Um, with his with his uh, nefesh, okay. Or like he says in Yisodiyat Torah, he calls I think the um, 
Yeah. He says, um, that's what he calls the tsuras anefesh. Is not mechuberos mini yasodos. It's not a koach of the neshama. It is me'es Hashem in Hashemayim. Okay. He says, as it's yodaas umaseges hadeos haprudos minagalomim v'yodaas bori akol v'olmedes li'olam v'olmeolam. Okay, he says, but he says, but this, these distinctions, and this is an important point, I'm saying, although it's more true, it would have been more true to compare this non-physical separate part of the uh, of the nefesh with the guf of Adam to the comparison of God and the universe he didn't want to take any he didn't want to take as an argument in his marshal something that's that is confusing and deep and very difficult to understand and open to criticism because that kind of distracts from his overall point so he says he chose the more he says I'm choosing to take a more concrete so to speak example um, because it's uh, it can convey the idea without uh, being open to uh, to the criticism. Even though the real idea is definitely true, and if a guy would be patient and willing, he would see it. But since a guy could be argumentative and uh, just refuse to, uh, to to accept it, you'll lose the you know you'll 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 lose the you'll lose the whole thrust of the argument by trying to be too. Uh, too precise. It's an amazing. I mean, it's just I just when I, when I saw that, I thought it's, it's an interesting uh, idea in in you know in, in a derech of uh, of teaching. And the Ram says that also in the beginning of the Morris He says sometimes a fachom you'll see contradictions because sometimes when he wants to explain something one uh, in a basic way, he'll he won't be as precise in the way he expresses it. And when he gets to a, to the topic more more fully. He'll he'll elaborate on it. Uh, he'll be able to ex- explain things that he kind of fudged a little the first time for the sake of getting the main idea across, right? But uh, so I just uh, I just thought it's it's an it's an interesting point on its own, just to see how the Raman explains the proper way to um, to uh, express an idea, and you have to think into the success of your argument, and sometimes you have to pull back and and be a little less uh precise for the sake of the um of the general uh concept but also because he's acknowledging in these few paragraphs that the real idea of what we mean by a, 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 a the soul the nefesh adam that is completely um uh un um, attached to the body and un uh and therefore not um, dependent at all on the body is is a very is not a simple uh, notion it's not a, it's not a simple idea but um but that's the element that he means that exists the old the old male alone because it's it can't be the the the, the mechanism of the mind of the brain i mean the 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 faculty of the thinking that we have is very rooted in in in, in the physical but there's something deeper yes. Um, and and it's not something that we could really fully uh, understand. I mean, the Kuzari says also, says nobody can really understand truthfully what a soul means. And and Avmenaram too. We had in the Chumash says uh, we can't understand Malachim because we can't even understand our own our own uh, the, the the idea of our own uh, soul. So. Although we discuss these things all the time and we and we know that they exist, but we, we can't really it doesn't you can't really have a sense of it in a in a uh, although it's firsthand, but <laughs> it's it's it, it's it's the deepest some of the, the deepest ideas. And uh, I just think it's important to realize what what, what even the great Chacham acknowledged that the limit of our knowledge is okay. But that is still, it has to be that that is where the um, the experience of Olahaba is going to lie. It can't be in anything that is uh, dependent in, in its existence on the physical. And you, and you should recognize the Ram himself is saying there is the faculty of intellect, and then there's the 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 deya itself. Okay, and those are different things. Yeah, Yaakov. 
I mean, the, the Ramban also discusses it a little bit in the Shara Gamal. You ever see the Ramban, Ramban when he's discussing it about Gehenna? He says, he'll ask me, how can a non-physical soul be in a physical place? Because he accepts a lot of those Chazal that say Gehenna is a physical place. He says, so how can a soul, a soul be in a physical place? He says, that's a great question, but how can a soul be associated with a body? We don't know that either. So however that works, this works too. <laughs> but he says, there is an idea of a soul being associated with a body. Because I think he quotes in the Ramam. He say, the person moved. Right? And we consider like, yeah, he has some muscle there that uh, we say, uh, with, with the motion of the body, uh, his essence is, is also considered to be uh, in motion in some way. But can we have a sense of what of the interaction? What was your question exactly? Uh, how is it that physical happens here? Like, this was a very yeah. That's a good question. That's a good question. And thank you. You reminded me. Um, yeah. But it's important to realize that although we're saying that the greatest experience is um, is the experience of uh, of Olam Haba, and that's the most, the ultimate good, like the Ram says, that's the, the Tova, Tzafuna, that's the, the greatest good, you have to recognize, like we were saying about Shabbos, the only way you get that good, the only way you can affect the content of your soul is through your knowledge here. It's through your activities here. And that's what the beautiful um, Yerushalmi, I'll, I'll trust the footnote here, uh, Yerushalmi in the Vodazara says, Yofe sho'o achas b'tshuva u'maisim tovim b'olam hazeh mikol chayi olam Amazing statement. Right? The Yofe sho'o achas sho'kol achruach olam so we say, although is the greatest state, but one hour in this world in Shuva and Maisim Tovim is incomparable to all of Olam because only through Shuva and Maisim Tovim here can you can you acquire Olam Okay, it's not it's not exactly you know Olam Haba is a good result, but it's close. Huh? You know this one? Olam Haba, the good stuff, learning Torah, the best stuff. So it's similar. It's, it has a, you know, it's, it's, it's in line with that idea that Olam Haba is good as a state. But, uh, but in terms of growth, there's no, there's no growth. So in, in a sense, we have that tension. We don't want to jump to Olam Haba. It's not like we're saying, Olam Haba is so great, we should just get there. No, no, no. Sho'o achas, the tshuva, u'maisim tovim, Olam is better than kol chayel in a sense, in the sense of growth, in the sense of of, of acquisition, in the sense of the sense of gaining in your in your in your in your level. But on the contrary, it says yofa sho acha sho koras ruach olam haba mikol chayel But the the koras ruach of olam haba is greater than one hour. Is greater than all of olam haba. Right? So you got you have to know what the what the value of each is. Right? The value of Olam Hazeh is to improve your, uh, is to gain and to build your your das and your and the uh, the faculty or the, the the existence that will experience you have the experience of Olam Abba. The experience of Olam Abba is incomparable to anything we have here. Yeah. Okay. So um, that was one thing that we did last that we that we mentioned that we went over last week. But there was one other thing that caught my eye last week. I wanted to just expand on it today, and that is in those Ramam and Hilfus Tshuva. Sorry, yeah. what's that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, was it mean in the in the uh, Arab Shabbos one? No, yeah, Yafashah Achas. Yafashah Achas. Oh, very good. Let me hear what you saying. What are you saying? Same exact question. Yeah, Yafashah Achas. Okay, where is that in, in Pirkei Avos? Dalgizan, okay, very good. So um, in in Hilchos Tshuva, so when the Rama was discussing, like he discusses here, that if the good is Olam Haba and the Ra is Kares from Olam Haba, why are all of the um, brachos and klolos about the physical? So he's describing, right? We're discussing last week 
He says it in the in, in Chelik, and he says it in Parakotes, in Ilchos Tshuva, that uh, those are uh, those brachos are a means to attain the perfection of Olam Abba. And the klalos means that the means will be uh, removed from you. But one funny thing he said kind of stuck out when I was reading it, but um, but um, I, I, I didn't have a, a, a formulated thought on it. He says like this. He says, Vayishma, um, yeah, he says, this is in Perak Tess, Allah Allah. Okay. He says, but you'll get, if you, if you keep the Torah properly, then you'll have, uh, then the is that you'll get the um, physical um, success that enables you to be involved in more in Torah completely. And then he says, uh, you'll be Kona two, ol- two Olamos. Okay. I can't find that line here, but um, one second. Right. He says, right. Ah, he says, Vinimtsesam Zochem Lishneha Olamos. And then he says, on the contrary, if a person is a chote, uh, then he's going to get machla and all those things in order to deprive him from olam haba. And again, he says, and again, he says, nimza she'avad she'avadatem shnei olamos. Okay, but. If the whole idea is that the, that the real good is Olam Haba, and the real Ra is losing Olam Haba, and this whole world is really just a means for that, what do you mean he got two Olamas? This Olam is not a good. That's not what the good is. The, the Tov is not here. The person had to sacrifice here to get Olam Haba, that would be the right thing to do. What do you mean? He, what, what's the good here? The whole point is the good is there. That's the real good. So why are you saying... Nimza, don't, and he's saying, don't do things for the good here. Do things for the good of so, so what does it mean, Nimza, you're going to get, uh, you, you, you get two Olamos. And if you're bad, Nimza, you, you, you lose two Olamos. So, uh, yeah. A couple of possibilities. Go ahead. One is that it's a chesed. Okay. It can happen to this way, but happens to be that the means of getting to Olam is actually the best existence in this world. Okay. Another possibility is, I, I don't know if but logically, it does have to be this way that um, God wouldn't set up something where it's a dead existence to get to the good existence. Okay, okay, I, I think you're right. I mean, uh, I think the first one is is the simpler way. No, it's the Ram is trying to show you. I think it's, it's I think it's a limud about the nature of the um, the relationship of of, uh, of of man to this world and to the and to the next. And I was trying to show you. That the way the way the man is created, even though he is a um, a fish in water, right? He's martial, even though he is really a, a an intellect and a soul that is trapped in a certain sense in an environment that's not as hospitable to the episode of the of, of what he is, and he has to engage. He has to minimize the physical existence. And strive and, and maximize his his uh, his uh, ruchni. It's not. It doesn't. It's not that he has to. It's not. It's not that he has to live in a way that is out of line with his nature. And it was the very nature of man. The way that God created man and the world is that through his physical body and his physical uh, faculties and and needs and desires, he can use those very things properly in a way towards perfection. And to the degree that he is engaged in the world properly, that itself could be, that is a route to the perfection of Allah Mabba. It's not a conflict. It's not that man is, it's not that there's a, that he has to uh, destroy his, um, his his physical existence to attain his his olam haba. No, he has to engage the physical properly. So that's the nimsa. The nimsa means to say that if a person utilizes, there there is a proper use for the for the for the physical. 
and there's a proper way to relate to it. And that really is, in, 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 in the true sense, that really is the greatest pleasure of the physical world too. If he is able to, if a person has the wealth and the health, and he puts his energies towards what's really good, then he, he really has a very satisfactory olam hazeh too. That's the nature of man, that when he's pursuing what really is good for him, it will even satisfy his psyche and his physical needs. It'll be in line. It will not be, like, like David said, it's, not, it's, it's part of the chesed Hashem too, that the pursuit of the, of the ultimate good there is a certain unification of the of the overall person and his guf and his psyche and his neshama. If they're all in line, if, if the if the guiding uh, principle is his highest element, is also a satisfaction in everything else. But if a person is uh, is, is abandoning what he truly is and and only trying to get the physical, then he becomes dissatisfied. But more than that, more than that, the Ram is really saying it's a bris. That's part of the bris Torah. That if you have, if you misuse the physical and you turn it into its own end, that's part of the bris Torah. That you will lose the opportunity to utilize it for the good. You'll lose that. You'll lose. You'll If you distort the means towards the good and turn it into an ends, You'll you'll lose it completely. So that's why it is, it is an element of hashkacha too. It's and that's what he says. That's the idea of schar mitzvah mitzvah schar avera avera. It's a schar. It's 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 not just a natural thing. It's part of the bris Torah. To the degree that the person pursues and desires, he will be rewarded with more opportunities. It's 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 like it's like if a person was in business. Right, and you're the guy's a hungry entrepreneur, right? What would be the greatest reward to him if he showed that he was capable of uh, of doing the good work? The greatest reward would not be money, right? It'd be more opportunities, right? It'd be more opportunities to engage in in, in that activity uh, itself. So in, in, in that way, too, we're saying the, the schar mitzvah mitzvah means to say, if you really, well, what is the greatest reward of, of, of engaging in perfection? More opportunities to engage in it more fully, right? So that's the bris. That's, that's part of the bris Torah. If a person, if a person expresses that with uh, simcha, that uh, and he shows the success that he has in the limited sphere of his of his asiyas and mitzvahs. The schar is that he's given more opportunities to do what he values, what he, what he has expressed the value in now. But if he takes those things and he uses them for uh, in in a distorted way, and then then he um, then then he loses the. Uh, then he, he loses those resources because he's, he's wasted those resources. He's essentially wasted the resources, so he has no right to have them at all. So he's, he's, he loses two, two elements. Okay.